Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Well, praise the Lord and God bless you today. This is Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, and I am a friend of Angie Austin. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. I just enjoy being friends with Angie and, and producer David's out here in the, in the, um, in the you know, in that place over there. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking about we were, producer David and I were just talking about today being National Science Fiction Day. And to me, here we are. January the 2nd, 2018, 2018, okay, we're actually, what, two years from 2020, and by this point in history, in, in my world, I thought for sure we would be riding around in George Jetson cars, I thought for sure we would be teleported places like they said on Star Trek and stuff, and we're not, so I'm a little bit disappointed. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day, about how you know, uh, if you go back 50 years, 1950, mm -hmm. let's say, uh, 60 years, mm -hmm. 70 years almost yeah, now, right. um, they would have thought, you know, 2018, we'd be, uh, you know, space age Palmers, you know, a colony <laughs> on the moon, flying cars, wow. all this stuff. But then now we're, uh, we, I was joking that uh, I was like, no, but now we're all too worried about which bathrooms everyone should use. And, um, you know, uh, where's the safe spaces and what color Play-Doh you right. need because your uh, elected official isn't the one who got elected. That's right. Or or should you invest in bitcoins? Bitcoins. That's a big thing right I mean, now. That's, I think it's crazy. It, it really is because pretty soon we're not even going to use real money when you think about it. I mean, it's not. It's all fake money anyway, right? It is, but it is. I mean, look, don't tell me that you don't like the feel of a crisp dollar bill. No, I do. I okay. Do. So, but when you start saying, well, just um, wave your card over the register and you pay. Wait a minute. Where's my money? Can yeah. I go and get cash from the bank? You know, so, but we just, you know, happy new year to you. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful new year. And here we are, January the 2nd, 2018. And it's just, time is just flying. What is, what are your plans for 2018? What are you going to do in 2018 to make a difference in your life and in the life of others? I, I posted a question on Facebook saying, what words will you speak over yourself your family, your business, or your ministry in 2018 because, you know, the and I always talk about the Bible. The Bible says, by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. So if you speak words that bring life over yourself, your family, you know, especially your children, um, your businesses and your ministries, what effect will those words have over you and over the things that you're going to do? Um, Producer David's son just had a, a, an incident, a medical incident, and we all we just spoke life over him. We spoke words of encouragement. We spoke positive words over him. We prayed to the Lord, and, and I tell you what, he's got a testimony for that little boy, Jason, that, you it's know. A, it's a miracle. It's it a really is. It's a tangible, literal miracle. 
Exactly. And so what are the words that you're going to speak over your lives in 2018 that will cause the effect that you want to have in your life? And so here at, at the Good News with Angie Austin and friends, we're always going to talk about the good news. We're always going to bring you words of encouragement, words that bring life to you and your families so that you can move forward and do the things that you were created to do because God created you for a very specific purpose. Now, sometimes that purpose gets lost. It gets lost in all the, the stuff that's going on in the world for a long time. It's been politics. Politics always come up and, you know, we forget our real purpose because politics is so prevalent. But what are those words that's going to cause you to be better than you've ever been before, to be better than average, to be better um, doing the things that, that you have wanted to do for so long? I, I'll never forget, you know, um, since producer David has been here, he, he says how we have improved his life and he's writing more now. He's doing things that, that will create a different, what, a different perspective of your life i mean really it's yeah i mean i've completely changed my perspective on uh so many things and i know it all started with little things i remember it was actually you that had said it i mean and this was a year or so ago and it was something you were just chatting in there about how making making someday you know somebody's a stranger's life a little bit better that day by doing a small little act of kindness and i was thinking it's as simple as that i remember later that day i went i was at subway or something and the girl looked just mad she hated everything in the world and i just said hey how are you today mm. what's going on like mm. i i hope you're having a good day i'm having a good day i hope i can help you have a better day and right. she had this big old smile on her face and next time i went in she hey how's it going it's nice to see you again and i was just impacted by such a small thing yeah see you know and it's not always giving money or no. giving time or i mean sometimes it's that simple yeah it really is and we don't know the effect that a smile or just a how you doing will have on a person until we do it. And so, again, you know, listeners, what are you going to do in 2018 that will cause a difference? I wrote it down to make a difference in your life and in the lives of others. Okay. And, you know, when you do that, just think about the ramifications. Okay. You're not just affecting that person's life, but that person will go and tell somebody else. I I'll tell you how simple it is. This morning I went to um, kickboxing for the first time. For the first time. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> Dave, that chick, I mean, little young chick, she's 20 something years old, 27 years old. She wore my behind out. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Yes. Plus you're getting hit the whole time. Oh, my gosh. But <laughs> she said at the end, she said, you were really good. You did really well today. And I kind of perked up because before then I was like, Lord, am I going to make it home? Can I even? <laughs> yeah. Can I even drive? Get, can I get in the truck and drive? Lord have mercy. But just those words, you did really well today. That caused me to say, you know something? Maybe I can do this because in 20 days, I'm going to be 59. And 386 days, I believe it is, I'm going to be 60. And so this is the only body I'm going to have on this earth. I have to take care of this body. And if kickboxing is the way to do it, then that's what well, I got to do. 60 is the new prime, the prime age. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I don't feel 60. I don't feel 59. You don't look it. I, thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And I don't. I don't feel it. And I, I remember back in the day looking at my grandmother and saying, oh, Lord, she old. And she was in her 60s, but yeah. she old. And I'm like, I'm not old. 
I remember my grandparents growing up, uh, they couldn't come visit us in two towns over or couldn't come to the beach house with us because, oh, we're too old to travel. We're too... And I'm like, you're, they were in their 50s back then. See? And See? I'm like, when I'm in my 50s, I'm going to be, I mean, I'm not quite 40. I'll right. be 40 this year. Right. But I feel like a kid still. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm loving life. I really am. And Listen so, to Dr. Joe. Oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dr. Joe the, with the man bun. Look. I hope that I hope that style goes out, but I think the, the rest of the the rest of the stuff Dr. Joe does, I hope is good. I like the man bun. I really I think it's cute, you know. But the things that he promotes, it really helps people to live better lives and to be younger than what their age says. Yeah. And so I'm I'm loving that. So today we've got a a good oh boy I'm I'm really looking forward to this good news story. Um, because it shows what people will do in life to change and affect the lives of others. So let's listen to that. Without their help, my parents would certainly not be here today. His parents were stuck in this car, a Subaru wedged under a tanker truck on Route 17 in Goshen. His parents, Carmen and Alejandro Sr., have been married 56 years. We saw a car stuck under it and a little bit of a flames coming out from the car. Jackie Welch is an eyewitness. Her son-in-law jumped out and ran to help. The driver of the truck was not injured. My son-in-law, Matthew, and a whole bunch of other people ran over without even thinking. Even with the flames, nobody really knew what the tanker was carrying. They weren't sure if it was carrying fuel. I think we found out that it was carrying sugar. They got the people out of the car, and next thing you know, somebody was screaming, get back, get back, and the gas tank just blew up on the car. Alejandro Rivera Jr. is so thankful, but cautions his parents were injured. Broken ribs, uh, broken back, broken ankle. That's my father. My mother sustained head injuries. They had to do emergency surgery last night. The eyewitness reminds us all that people are good. Everybody just ran across the highway, even with flames coming out of the gas tank from the car. Nobody knew if it was going to blow up, if it was a fuel tanker. Nobody cared. And she and so many others are pulling for this dear couple as they applaud helpful human nature. Wow. Well, see, I think it's important in the video, you can't really see in the audio, but mm -hmm. the tanker truck is a big, that silver yeah. cylindrical tanker that looks like a gas hauler. Yeah, yeah. And so people were just rushing in without care for their own safety. Go help these people. Go help these people. Whether it was going to be dangerous or not. I mean, it did turn out to be a sugar, mm -hmm. a sugar tanker, which okay. is slightly less dangerous, but those people, I mean, just as much fear doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's great that these people, they don't know who these people are. They're just rushing in, sacrifice their own safety to go help these people they don't know. And see, when you look at it from the elderly couple's perspective, they didn't know whether they were going to live or die. That's true. They did not know. You know, and so for people to just help them like that, that's... I, and you can hear the emotion in their son's voice there when oh, he's yeah. talking about it. Oh, yeah. Because what was he going to do? You know, I mean, he nothing. wasn't even there yeah. to, and, and so we as a people, we as, as human beings, you know, there's no race, there's no color, there's none of that stuff. We're people. How do we help each other to overcome? How do we help each other t so that 
everybody will have a good day. And I, yes, there are those people that no matter what you do, they're not going to have a good day because I don't want to have a good day. I, <laughs> stop. Why are you smiling at me? I don't even like the way you laugh, you know. But then there are those that say, wow, I wish somebody would just say a nice word to me. You know, somebody if somebody would just just acknowledge that I'm human, how much better will that person's day be? Then if we just go off in our work, you know, I, I used to think that New Yorkers were some of the rudest people in the world. And, and sometimes it seems like that. Not all of them. I, I made a, a really good friend in, in 2010 that lives in New York. And when I first met her, I thought she was just snooty and just rude. And but when I got to know her, I asked her the question. I said, why are New Yorkers so rude? And she was taken aback. She looked at me like I, I, I. And she said, I never really thought about it like that. She said, but it probably appears that we are rude. And I said, yeah, it does. And we've been best friends since then. But she said that she, she put it down to always having something on her mind. Because New York is just a fast city. It's always on. Yep. You know, it's never always up. Right. Yeah. You know, and so she was always going, going, going. So she never really thought about it. But what if we take the time to just slow down just a little bit? Slow down and just smell the roses, smell the coffee, you know, go right. and say something nice to somebody. That's actually a good segue because uh, I, uh, my personal resolution this year is kind of uh, more bask in the smaller moments, like bask in the good things that happen. And, you know, a lot of the times, especially last year, a lot of things were changing, all this stuff is going on, and I'm always looking for what's next, mm -hmm. never living in the right now. And so uh, I kind of want to focus on the good things that are happening. You know, it's really easy, especially in the media, to uh, focus on, you know, all the bad things that are happening in the world. Everyone's so mad about Trump this last year. And, um, you know, you see the Women's March and everyone's making fun of that or all the you know, what they call the entitled snowflakes at all the college campuses, or, you know, the Berkeley fires, mm -hmm. all this stuff going on. And it's really easy to focus on all that stuff okay. where all this other really good stuff is happening where it seems like nobody's paying attention to it. Yes. And actually, I found a list I'd like to show you. Okay. So these are 20 of the best things that happened last year that are going to continue happening. So one of my favorites personally is... This new project called the Ocean Cleanup Project, it's this really cool thing. It looks like a gigantic boomerang that kind of floats through the ocean. Yep. Promises to get rid of 40% of ocean plastics in the next year. Cool. I'm okay. sorry, in the next 10 years. Okay. Okay. And it floats around in kind of like a pool um, filter. Okay. And it's good. And then it's, you know, it's like 30 years from now, ocean plastics are going to be like, what were we doing putting all of our plastics right, in the ocean, right? Right. Next one, the giant panda is no longer on the endangered species list. That's cool. Which is really, really great. That's cool. Um, China. A lot of them has to do with China, too, which I think is really cool because, you know, one of my biggest problems, like, you know, the Paris Climate Accord that was a really big topic last year, mm -hmm. um, they wanted U.S. to give all this billions of dollars, and then, but nobody really was going to do anything to actually fix this problem. Right. And one of my biggest problems is always like, well, China and India alone, they're like 75% of all of our emissions, and so really they need to participate. And now China is, but they're doing things like protecting elephants by stopping the ivory trade. That's you know, cool. They've announced they're going to stop the ivory trade. This one you're going to like. In the last seven years, the U.S. homeless rate has declined by 50% for veterans. Really? Yes. Wow. So, and he, Obama wanted to do it. He started this thing in 2010, and it's been going along. 16% alone uh, in January is what it says, from last January. And now we're up to 
50% drop in veteran homelessness in the past seven years. Which, That's awesome. I mean, we should we, we should honor our veterans. I don't understand yes, why should. we don't do that. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Bishop would like this, the ALS Bucket Challenge. I remember that when everyone, yep. the Ice yep. Bucket Challenge. Mm -hmm. They raised enough money to um, identify the gene that causes ALS. Oh, wow. That's cool. Huh. Uh, China is stopping certain coal mines that damage the environment. Manatees are no longer on the endangered species list. Wow. The Colombian government and the rebels that are fighting the yep. Colombian government have signed a peace agreement. What? Yeah. Uh, oh uh, the NASA gosh. drone Juno flew 800 million miles around Jupiter to help kind of, uh, you know, expand our knowledge of what the universe is and where, you know, what it wow. all is and why, why it's the way that it is. Uh, measles have been eradicated. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, huh. And that's a good thing because measles, measles was a pretty bad disease. It yeah. really was. It was. And it's funny. I was actually talking to some people online. Uh, there's this whole anti-vax. Mm -hmm. You know, like people, oh, no, mm -hmm. vaccines are poison. Vaccines are poison. I'm not going to mm -hmm. give them to my kids and stuff like that. And then somebody said in one of the comments, I couldn't tell if they were just trolling me or what, but they said, uh, if polo's not polio is not a thing anymore, why do I need a vaccine against <laughs> it? And I was like, uh, well, there's so much to this. I need to unpack the whole thing, you know? Wow. But uh, yeah, huh. but same thing with measles. They're like, well, measles isn't a thing. Why do I need a vaccine against measles? Oh, well, that's because of all the vaccines, right? Okay. All right. Huh. Interesting. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see some other ones. Uh, there's an Ebola vaccine has been has been invented by scientists. Wow. That's a biggie. It says right here, world hunger hit a 25-year low. There was once 821 million malnourished people in the world, and now there's not 795 million. <laughs> that number is still too high. But Way if you think high. about it, that's 26 million people yeah. that were, are being helped now. So that's, I mean, all these, all these really amazing things are happening. But, you know, and, and talking about the um, famine, uh, people aren't, aren't getting enough to eat or aren't getting anything to eat. I don't understand that. I don't understand it either. I really don't because every country has something, some kind of food product that grows there. And you mean to tell me these millions, hundreds of millions of people can't get to this food? Well, a lot of it has to do with corrupt governments yeah. or, yeah. you know, like, you know, if you talk Say about no it, because we're always sending like medicine to parts of Central Africa. Right. But then, uh, you know, AIDS vaccines and AIDS medicine. And mm -hmm. then cartels come in, steal the medicine, use it as recreational drugs. All these other people are dying of AIDS, and they're not helping their own people. And we're trying to help. But then we all look like, you know, the entitled Elysium people right. who are just, oh, you know, like, here, this is what we can do to help. And there's really, I mean, what, what can we do after that? Wow. I wish everyone would kind of get to. I just wish we'd all get along. Well, see, and I guess that's the question that needs to be asked to the world powers. What are you doing to positively affect the lives of those around you? And that would be a good question for them because then they would have to really stop and think. But then again, would they stop and think? I don't know. This is like, you know, uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yes, it does. And uh, I, that was always my biggest problem is we've talked about this a lot. I think it's that's another thing. I was like, we're, we think there would be Jetsons cars and now, but we're still explaining why communism is bad. Um, you know, and uh, that's what I always try to tell everybody. I was like, but it doesn't matter who you are, that right. power, once you get it, it corrupts you. I think, I don't know why it is. It's nobody can step back in line and just join everything. So that's why I don't think socialism or communism ever Yeah, really. and you start thinking that you're better than you really are and that you have this power. Yeah. But you don't. Well, those rules are good for everybody else except me. Exactly. 
So I, I don't know. I, I just think we all need to come up with something that we can do that will touch and affect lives positively around us so that we can make a better world. You know, Trump is the only one that says we're going to make America great again. No, let's make our own communities great. again. Exactly. Make my life great again. That's the way it starts. I'm going to help you make your life great again. I know that's right. <laughs> hey, thank you all today for listening in to the good news with Angie Austin and friends. This is Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life. If you need any information about any of the stuff that we talk about, or if you just want to get in touch with us, contact me, Beatrice at drill sergeant of life.com i'll be glad to talk with you so god bless you we love you with the love of jesus and we'll see you next time on the good news with angie austin and friends bye-bye the good news of jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670kltt.com this is kltt commerce city denver It's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Ark Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303-238-JANE. 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. They help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at ARC all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag and I got it at ARC. I shop there and I help others and I donate my items about once every month or two and I call 303-238-JANE and they come right to my house with a truck and they pick everything up. Here, check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE. Welcome back to The Good News. You know, I do about 30 interviews a day on uh, The Good News and Daybreak USA and certain little snippets will stand out to me. And last year, a young man who was an intern at the Denver Rescue Mission who was from Cambodia, um, Krum Hung, came in. And I'll never forget when I talked to him about being a college student. And I don't remember the exact words and he's here again. But I just remembered being so inspired by his sweet nature and also his like gratitude um, about being a Christian. And I said, was it hard to be a college student and be a Christian? And he talked about how important he thought it was for him to be a good role model as a Christian and to, you know, not get involved with all the bad stuff that can go on in college. And so when I met him again, he was just in a couple of weeks ago and I said, oh, you have to come back on the show. So Crum Hong is back and you're doing your second internship at the Denver Rescue Mission or is it the third? This is my third. Your third. Yep. So you really enjoy working there. Yes, I have. And you've got Stacy Parker with you. She's the PR coordinator. And Stacy, we're going to talk to you in a little bit just about the internship program and how it works. And Crum, where do you guys stay? Do you stay at the family shelter area when you're there? Where do you guys live when you're doing your internships? So during the internship, the mission provides um, a place for the interns to stay. And some interns they do commute from home and stuff if they're here. Okay. But we, they have... Um, providing housings and stuff for interns to stay at the crossing so that way you'll be close to your work but then you get to interact with all um, the participants and stuff at the, the crossing yeah. yeah when they've got families there and uh at, at the crossing and they also have the new life program men there going through the program for um, alcohol and drug addiction uh, so kind of a diverse group there at the crossing all right so let's go back a little bit first of all are you done with college or do you have another year left i have another year left um I'll be going back 
in August, the end of August, to start my senior year. And then once I finish college, I will go back to Cambodia. And where do you um, where where do you go to school? I'm cur- I'm going to school in California at the Master's College. It's in Santa Clarita area, about 40 minutes north of LA. Yeah, I used to live in Santa Clarita. It's hot. 114 sometimes in the summer. Nice area, though. I love Santa Clarita. And Valencia, all those areas are nice. All right, so I want to go back in your story for people um, who didn't hear your testimony last year. And even if they did, it's worth hearing from Crum again because Crum um, was was, um, helped out by an organization in Cambodia called Asian Hope. So let's kind of go back um, into your story because at the age of seven, I knew your parents divorced and then you were with your mom. So let's talk about your testimony because I think that you've grown up to be such a fine Christian young man and I think you give hope to a lot of people who are going through difficult times. Yeah, so um, at a very young age, I... My parents divorced, and then it was very hard because we are coming from the Khmer Rouge regime, and then so everyone was still trying to find a job, still trying to break out the mentality of like you know like of what has happened in the last you know twenty years and stuff like that, and it was it was really a hardship and stuff like that. And a lot of people lost family members during that time. Yeah. And so coming out of all of that, just trying to survive, basically. You say make a living, but just survive, make a living, support kids. So when your parents got divorced, it split up the kids too, right? Yeah, we did. We split. My sister went with my dad, and then I went with my mom. She she picked me over my sister. but She wanted both of us, but she picked me over my sister because um, she was a woman, and she needed a guy to help her with farming and stuff. And And even though you were just seven... mm -hmm you were going to help her on the farm. And yep. that's something that's an eye-opener for us because she kept you because she needed to help on the farm and you were seven, which is the age of about a first grader. And so you were going to be her farming help. Yep. And so you were. Yes, I was. And so you and your mom did farming and, th- and then what happened after that? She went to the city because she wanted to get try to find, hopefully find a better job. Yes. Um, farming was okay, but then it was very hard for her because as a, a mom and stuff, and then, like, you know, all this manual labor and stuff, so she decided, you know, she heard opportunities and stuff in the cities that you can find better jobs, you know, better paying jobs, and so that's what she did. She left me with my relatives, and then she went to the city, and then for a couple months and stuff later, she um, got one of my relatives to bring, to bring me to the city. So um, you stay behind, your mom goes to the city, then your aunt brings you to your mom, and then your mom got remarried, which you would think like, oh, great, you know, a breadwinner or a guy to help, but that was not the case. He was abusive and he drank too much. Yep, that was that was definitely not the case. Um, I was pretty surprised and shocked that she didn't invite our family members and stuff because um, her sister didn't even know about it, and most of us No didn't one know. knew that she got married. Yep. So you arrive and you're surprised you have a stepdad who drinks and he's not very nice. Yep. I was, I didn't really like it. I was like, oh, like, what just happened, you know? And right away, was he mean to you and your mom? No, I mean, definitely right away, like, he was not. And then it was, it was when he was started drinking that you can see more of it. But, like, when he was working normal in the days and stuff, and when he started drinking, I was like, oh, he's a fine guy. But then the more I stayed with him, the longer I stayed with him, and then the more I got to know him, it was like, whoa, like... It was a very hard life because, you know, like every time he drinks, he gets mad and stuff like that. And if I don't do this, he doesn't, you know, I just could abuse for it. 
<clears throat> so he was abusive to you and your mom. And I found it interesting when you mentioned that um, you and your mom would cry yourself to sleep and the neighbors would hear you guys cry for help, but no one dares come to the rescue. Whereas here, we'd call 911. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, like, because, like, he's such a rough guy and, like, um, neighbors, they don't really want to get involved. And we stayed close to, like, a police house, but the police guy was scared of him as well. Like, I mean, like, he warned him about like not doing it again and stuff but once it gets drunk it's kind of hard to keep a guy who's drunk out of control and everything you know in check you know and this and the system's different you don't just come and arrest him and put him in jail um in cambodia like the men have different rights maybe there um it's not about different rights and stuff it's just like sometimes the police are just you know like they feel like they can't do anything and but i mean it's it's their duty to like tell the neighbors or tell um, give a warnings and stuff, but it. I mean, I mean, like it was. It was a very secluded area and stuff, and so they didn't really want to cause an issue and stuff like that. So they didn't really just kind of keep quiet and hope it goes away and hope a few warnings will uh, make him behave. But then once he drinks, uh, you know, things change. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, because my my dad was a drinker too. He doesn't drink anymore, and uh, he was also abusive to my mom and. Uh, Back when this happened, also people didn't get as involved. Just like in your case, you're younger than I am, much younger. But um, you know, even here in the states, things were different. You know, 20 years ago than they are now. Uh, and so she also didn't get any help. So um, interesting, though. But that alcohol it can just be um, that trigger that if you have a problem with it. And you know, I just interviewed my daddy every day, and I said. Um, because uh, we just got reunited a couple of years ago. He contacted me and um, he, I said, do you have any regrets? And this was part of an interview. This is like a couple of years into us, you know, being, you know, we don't go on vacation together and talk every week on the phone. And he said, um, my biggest regret in life is that I was an alcoholic and I feel like I hurt my children. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't think these people that have addiction problems, they mean to hurt us. We're like collateral damage. And they're not drinking to hurt us. They're drinking because they're hurting and then we get hurt in the interim, you know? Or like the, you know, the fallout of their drinking problem. All right, so then you started hanging out with, um, in front of it, with the kids at the missionary's house. Yep, I did. So I'm not sure if I mentioned, but he, my stepdad's in like into construction work. And construction in uh, Cambodia and in America is very different. It's not, you know, like us organized. So you, construction workers, you stay at their construction site until your oh. job's finished. Oh, and, and then, then you move to the other. move to the next one. And stuff. Oh. And so it just happened that when I moved to one of those construction site, there was a missionary family across the place where we were staying. And then during the daytime, I would um, go and hang out with, I don't know how I got to know them, but somehow I got to know them and then got to stay and hang out with their kids and just kind of like love it there. And then kind of like tell them about my story and stuff. And then they were like, you know what, we we need to bring you out of this place. You, you, you cannot stay here with your mom and stuff, you know, <sighs> with the situation and stuff. And so uh, at times they went looking around for orphanages and stuff like that. And, and then that was when, like, she contacted Steve Fisk and... And he's me. with Asian Hope? He used to be with Asian Hope. Okay. He wasn't my first guardian. Um, before like 2000, 2000 to 2005, 2006. So your, your mom actually 
because these missionaries didn't like the situation you were in, they and you felt love from them and comfortable and liked being around them, and they knew your situation wasn't good, so they wanted to find a place for you, and they ended up um, contacting Steve at Asian Hope at the time, and your mom thought that was a good idea too. She thought that would protect you. Yeah, she definitely thought ab- about it. Like um, before she, before we knew about this missionaries and stuff, she was like, you know what? I cannot have you stay here, and um, I want you to have a better future and stuff. And she was it's looking a huge for- sacrifice for your mom. Yep, because you know, loving you and then knowing that she wouldn't get to be with you. That's a tough situation because you were like the one thing she probably had that meant love, you know, that was happiness for her. Wow, she must really love you to have done that. Okay, so then she decides, okay, we'll we'll go ahead and check out this Asian Hope. And so then he's your guardian for a while. And how old were you then when you started, uh, you know, when you got involved with Asian Hope, which is, you know, an orphanage for kids with a lot of love, a Christian ministry? I think by that time I'm eight years old. Eight, so about a year after your parents got yep. divorced. Okay, and then how did your mom get to see you still, or was she still with the construction worker, you know, drinker? Yeah, for a time she was with me. She came with me toward the orphanage, and she stayed with me for like a couple months. But then it was very hard for her to be there because at the time she lost her ability to speak. Um, she got into an accident one one day. She just like fell off the steps. It was raining. It was muddy and slippery. She just slipped down the stairs, and then when she got up, she she, she could she could make sounds and stuff, but she just definitely lost the ability to like just interact. She with hit her people. head. Yeah, and so we went to all different kinds of doctors and stuff, but they didn't know what was wrong with her at the time. They like we went to like you know Buddhist monks, ministry uh, tem- temples and stuff. You know, we tried different all kinds of things, and it didn't work. But then, so she just came to stay with us, and then she didn't like it there because just some of the workers at the time, like, was not really treating her well, and then it's hard for her to communicate different things. And right, stuff like that. yeah. So you're there, and then at Asian Hope, um, I think we talked about this before, um, obviously Christian ministry, but, you know, that wasn't how you were brought up. Did the faith, and I know you're a Christian now, how did the, the faith start to impact you? How did you get kind of drawn in or decide that maybe you were going to look into this Christianity thing? So definitely this organization is Christian from the start. I mean, um, the guy who was in charge, he was definitely a very strong Christian. And he taught Bible studies and kind of like immersed us with different activities, just like little things at a time, you like, even while we're learning English and stuff, you know, say, okay, you know, this is the book, this is the Bible, and just kind of like stuff like that. And it was over a long process that I eventually learned English and I kind of got... You know English really well. Yeah, thank you. Like, it was not until I got, like, a better knowledge of English that I was able to understand a bit more about Christ. And then when did you, because I know your faith is important to you now, when did that become a focal point for you? I would have to say it's definitely after my parents, no, not my parents, sorry, my mom passed away. It was like in 2007, 2006, 2007. And that was when I was really like searching and looking and kind of like, you know what, what am I believing in? Why? You know, I was, that was when I was started questioning Christianity a lot and just kind of like, is he really God? And if he's really God, you know, why is he doing this to me? Like, I mean, through all my childhood, I, I've experienced all of this and stuff, but then he kept taking something else that was, I felt like the only thing that was like left for me on this earth, and that was my mom. And so it was how, very How hard. old were you when your mom passed away? 
I would have to say it's about, I was 15, 15. And you were in Asian Hope still. You, I was still You, you were Asian being Hope. raised there at Asian Hope. And you'd still get to see your mom. No, I did not get to see my mom. Like I would see her maybe once in a year or something like that. Or when my stepdad, like he feels like he can get money or something out of me, he would come and try to take me out of it. And that's when he would bring my mom to like, bribe you to talk to me and stuff like that right but then i was like you know what for the longest time you didn't want me to be a part of your life but this is talking to my stepdad. stepdad yeah and now you're here you wanted me i'm like i decide you know what my future is here and i'm not going back with you and then that's when i'm like stop contacting him and stuff because we've tried many times to find my mom and stuff but he kept leading us the wrong way or like oh and not letting you get into contact with her yep and then how how did you find out that she'd passed away did he tell you yep he came one day and, and it was, i was in school and then he was like he came to the orphanage and talked to the steve and he's like you know what his his mom passed away and then i was like oh i haven't seen her for all these years now so then i just heard this news and it was kind of like i didn't really know what to do at the time i was kind of shocked but then it was not until after like she was, you know, cremated and stuff like that, that I, my heart, like, started to ache and stuff because at that moment I was just so, like, shocked and everything. I didn't, you know, it was hard to express the emotion. And that's when you started questioning, like, faith and why why did this happen to me and is God real? Yeah. And did you ever start to get any kind of sense of peace? Because I think you're a miracle crumb. I mean, the fact that you're here in the United States and you're getting an education, you speak great English, and you're going to back to help other people in Cambodia when you graduate, I think you're just a pure miracle. I mean, you know that. If you go back to Cambodia and you see the other kids there, you know you're a miracle to be getting this great education and to have survived like you have and to be so strong. And, you know, you've got a great life now, but you had to be strong in order to get that. When that happened when you were 15, that could have ruined your life. Like that loss you felt of missing your mom, that could have ruined your future because you could have just been angry. So what 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 brought it around to make Crumb the crumb you are now? What happened? I felt like definitely it has to do with a lot of the people around me my pastors and steve and his family and but i would i would definitely say it had a lot to do with what my mom said she's like when we were not still part of asian hope yet she's like you know i really want you to have a great education a great future and like you know live your life one day and i was like you know what there's no point of me leaving this place now because i wanted to fulfill something that this is something that I shared with my mom and talked to her a lot about before we came. And, you know, I wanted to live that life for her, you know, like she might not be able to see me living now, but I was like, you know, I'm willing to hold on and just kind of press on and continue. And to make her proud. Mm -hmm. And she made sacrifices for you. She would be so proud of you. My goodness, graduating from a university in California in a year. And if you're just joining us, um, Crum Hung is talking about uh, his internship at the Denver Rescue Mission. But I wanted to take him um, through his story again because I, I find him to be quite an inspiration because, you know, when you have a difficult upbringing, and I certainly can't compare mine to, to Crum's, but having lost a brother to murder and one to drug addiction and to my dad for many years to alcoholism and my mom being involved in that violent relationship and being passed around to different homes as a kid, when you feel like rejected or not loved, I feel like our faith can 
fill that hole in our heart of being rejected. And I remember all these people that were supposed to take care of me that didn't take care of me. You start to feel as a kid, like, what's wrong with me? But I think our faith, like, makes us whole again. I definitely agree with that. Um, it was a struggle to find that, you know, have that strength in my faith in him. But I was through all of that and that, like, you know, just kind of people mentoring and just kind of pushing me and just, like, you know, kind of like, helping me look at the future a different way and just say, you know what, because back at home, it's like, you know, if you struggle with something or something, like, there's a lot of tendency to just like, you know what, I give up. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. You never gave up it's because you're your mom, right? Yep. You wanted to make her proud. You have. Don't you think she'd be so proud of you if she knew how far you've come? That must feel good. Yeah. I'm proud of you and I'm not even your mom. You're making me cry right now. Stop it, crumb. <laughs> well, I just think you're a great kid. And, you know, the way that you are a role model to other college students, I feel like you feel like it's almost a responsibility to, like, I don't know, to, to, to show people, like, that, you know, you can turn your life around, which you have. Do you feel that way? I definitely feel that way. And that's kind of honestly why I definitely like love the internship with the Rescue Mission because... I really want to share like what I've been through and just kind of like encourage yeah. them just kind of you know what I may not have been through this drugs and alcoholic experience that you do but I went through some other kind of experience and it's definitely something similar to you know like painful finding somebody to love and some like you know like not feeling love you know so I feel like the men here had missions of there's lots of like rejection and not being able to like, you know, feel this family love and stuff when they were younger and stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, I want to be able to tell you that it's possible to get out of this situation. Yeah. I think you must inspire them. So. All right. Well, that's a great place to just mention Stacy Parker, Crum Hong, third year. He's been an intern. Uh, give us the website. I don't have much time for you to tell us because his story was so compelling. The website for people to find out about internships at the mission. Sure, no problem at all. We are seeking interns for the fall. Um, you can find more information at denverrescuemission.org backslash internships. Well, he's obviously a star intern, huh? Absolutely, yes. We've been really blessed to have him for three summers. I know. I'm so, I want him back next summer. Will you come back next summer? If you're here, if you're here, come back or call in. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back with the good news. Hi, it's Angie. My favorite vacation spot in the world has a deal for you. It's YMCA of the Rockies. It's their 110th anniversary at the YMCA of the Rockies, and they're offering lodge rooms for $84 per night. My whole family stays in one lodge room. That deal is through the end of December and includes two free breakfasts every morning. And here's some of the things that are included. Some of these cost a little bit more, but most of them are free, like the roller skating, swimming. There's a Nordic Center. It's a little extra for rock climbing. You can learn how to do archery, horseback riding at Snow Mountain Ranch. The s'mores and the campfires are so much fun. Oh, sometimes there's singing and sometimes there's movies and we see this guy called the Mountain Man. My family loves this spot. We go at least twice a year and we will be enjoying this offer ourselves as well. Again, it's the 110th anniversary. YMCA winter deals, 84 bucks for a lodge room. A family of five can sleep in one of these lodge rooms and again, two free breakfasts per day. Check it out, ymcaoftherockies.org. Welcome back to the good news. Well, many people want to be their own boss. Maybe you do as well. Well, starting and owning a small business is a dream for many. 
And here to talk about the outlook for small business owners is the head of small business at Bank of America, Sharon Miller. Welcome back, Sharon. Thank you so much, Angie, for having me. All right, so let's start with, I know you did a survey. Uh, Let's talk about how uh, small business owners are feeling about the economy. Well, small business owners are optimistic about the economy. And in fact, we saw the theme that most small business owners expect their revenues in 2017 to surpass that of 16. So that's really good news. And that's, you know, not just including what's happening now. We just had Small Business Saturday, and there's a lot of focus on small business in the news today. But this is the entire year. So people are feeling good. We're going into the holiday season. Uh, And we do expect for holiday sales to be up this year over last year as well. And people are thinking about supporting small businesses, which is good for our local communities. Now, the economy, that's a big part of it, but also, you know, hiring ahead for the year. I know with my husband's small business, we live in an area where it's, you know, good news that the unemployment rate is so low, but not so good news in terms of him trying to find good employees. So what about hiring? What's the outlook on that? That's exactly right. I mean, we are at an area where it is good news that uh, we're at nearly full employment. However, there's a war for talent out there. I mean, people make the difference. And, you know, especially in these small businesses where you may have less than 100 employees, culture matters, people matter. And to attract the best employees, whether or not you are increasing your staffing level, which most small business owners told us they're not looking to increase, but they are looking to maintain what they have today. And so between retaining your existing employees or attracting the right ones, because you're always going to have some turnover. People are going to move. They're going to go do different things. So you're going to need to replace them just to stay at your current staffing levels. And there are some things that small business owners are thinking about, like flexible work arrangements, um, you know, different benefits, health care. I mean, all these things are on the minds of business owners like your husband when you go to bed at night, right? I mean, it's, it's what you're worried about. How can you find the best people and what's going to help you attract them? And so that's really what's on the mind of our small business owners from coast to coast. Love that. All right. What else did you learn? Well, we also learned, which which um, I found fascinating, millennials, so those from 18 to 36 years old, are the most optimistic generation when it comes to their revenue growth, their plans to hire more. Their, I mean, the, the reliance on social media didn't surprise me so much, but when mm-hmm. you think about uh, millennials and they have watched their parents perhaps go through some economic cycles where where, uh, you know, things have been good and then not so good. Normally, we find millennials to be a little more risk averse. However, in the small business area, and when it comes to taking control of their own business and destiny, they're very optimistic. In fact, the most optimistic generation and the most likely to say they're going to hire, to say they're going to grow or expand of any of the other generations out there. Now, you know, it's interesting to me to see what people do. Okay, so my husband got the small business. Um, but and then you see these big businesses and they do these amazing things to retain and attract employees. So you get like a Google or a Facebook, for instance, and you hear about things like, you know, fun game rooms and free meals and a candy machine where you can get all the candy you desire for free. And like, right. you know, and then the small businesses, all they can do is like treat you well. You know what I mean? And I know that that's very, very important and can go a really long way. 
way. But um, th- that's something that I think some small businesses have to compete against is young people saying, well, like, you know, I've gotten, you know, interview with so-and-so or this company and they're offering me this, this, and this. Exactly. But but I also say that every big business, so whether you're Google, Facebook, they were once a small business. And so right. I think to be on the ground floor of a company that's a small business and have that opportunity to grow with them, that's an exciting place for millennials to be too. So, you know, when when you think about the, the flexible hours or work location, yes, perks are important, but being a part of something bigger than themselves, right? And being able to grow with that company, expand. I mean, this isn't Google or Facebook, but certainly, you know, Bank of America has been helping people for 200 years. And when Walt Mm -hmm. Disney, which was not Walt Disney World today, went out for their financing to produce, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, no one would give them financing. They were, Walt Disney was not heard of. And so Bank Mm -hmm. of America stood by them, gave them the financing, gave Walt Disney the financing, and, and look at where they are today. So, you know, someone with Walt Disney back then you know, you think about where they are today. So every big business was a small business and being a part of a, of a dream of that American vision of the local community, it's, it's empowering. And so I think it's up to that business owner to really build what they're doing, how they're attracting and giving those perks or reward programs or being a part of something that's really special and moving that local economy forward. Love that. Where do we go for more info? You can go to bankofamerica.com forward slash small business or uh, go into one of our financial centers. We've got small business specialists across the country, 2,000 of them available for clients that are, you know, whether you're just starting out your business or thinking about opening a business or you want to expand, we're here for you, not only for access to capital, but to make sure that you've got the right business plan, you're thinking of the right things. And we know the local community. We operate in 90 local markets across the country, but we've got the backing of a strong national franchise and bank that can provide you what you need. So be sure to either go online or go into the center face-to-face. Wonderful. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you so much, Angie, for having me. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.